Welcome into College Basketball Recruiting Weekly. I'm your host, 24-7 Sports Director of Scouting, Adam Finkelstein, and this is the second in a two-part series where we are looking back at former national recruiting classes. This week on the site, we dug into some of the top young players in the NBA, the rookies and the second-year players. If you consider the best of those guys to be probable one-and-dones, that correlates to the national recruiting classes of 2021 and 2022. In the first episode, we dug back into that 2021 class. In this episode, we're going to talk about the class of 2022, which was really only about 18 months ago. Joining me, Eric Bossy and Travis Branham. Check it out. That class ended with Nick Smith being the top player in the country. And again, this was another group that was hard to evaluate because of COVID. They came back and played basically just the month of July, which was more or less an extended week of Pete Sham and Adidas and Under Armour, um, and then a semi-regular senior season, but one that uh, was not immune to interruptions from, from various COVID stoppages. It seems clear now we're all on the same page. Brandon Miller is the best player thus far to come out of that class. He was incredible at, at Alabama. He ended up being picked second overall in the draft. He was ranked 14th overall. Uh, in our final 24-7 rankings. I should also say, and I wrote about this earlier this week, Brandon Miller is in the midst of a major ascension in his rookie season. If you're following him with, with Charlotte this year, you've seen him score 18 or more points uh, in three of his last six games. He did he scored 18 or more points once in the 10 games prior to those six. So he's clearly starting to find his groove and find that three-point stroke um, that he became known for at Alabama. All right, this is where it gets interesting. The twins, Asar and Amen, didn't finish in in the rankings, but would have um, would have ultimately been considered, or were originally a part of this 2022 class. So we included them in this re-ranking of sorts. Now, um, Trav has Asar number two on his board, as do I. Bossy, you have Amen number two on your board, and this is a, a story that you know, I wrote about quite a bit last year because the media narrative was that Amen was the better of the two twins throughout basically all of last season. And then I started to get told by NBA scouts that, uh, especially when we were in Houston for Final Four and McDonald's All-American game, I started to hear like, no, we like Asar. Amen ends up going at four. Asar ends up going at five. It has been Asar that has been, statistically speaking, far more impactful so far, but Bossy, uh, you still have a men higher on your re-ranking. Tell us why. Um, for one, we haven't gotten a chance to see what he can do because he's only played four games due to injury, right? So I don't think we have quite a fair contextual or the right inference, the right information to, to really make that determination just yet. Mm -hmm. And also, I think Houston is a significantly better team right now. Mm -hmm. As we sit at eight and nine, and I think that, you know, if you switch their spots and assume they're healthy, I'm not sure Asar would be putting up quite the numbers that he is for Detroit on Houston. And I'm sure that a men would be putting up better numbers for Detroit. Um, although Asar's rebounding is really pretty ridiculous for a guard. You know, we're talking about a guard that's averaging almost a double-double on a night with 9.1 rebounds um, or wing, whatever you want to call him. But I think what's interesting is you know we were told over and over don't worry about these guys shooting it's going to be fine but we're sitting here and and 
maybe a man has been prote- protected by this, but I just can't get with an NBA wing who shoots 13.5% from three-point land. That's ugly by any measure, um, beyond ugly, really. And as much as I love that guy, and let's be clear, like I, I really love the men in Asar. I think I was the first person to really get out and see them in person. I saw them during COVID playing in a random camp in Wichita that also featured Brandon Miller, Nick Smith, first glimpse of the Boozer twins, Cody Williams, Colorado, all these kind of crazy guys out there randomly in Wichita during COVID. But, you know, I think that we've got to give a man a chance to play. And I just think when he does, he's going to prove to be a little bit more dynamic and we'll see if we can, if he can build on, you know, the start that he's gotten. And if he can raise his 18.2%, from three point range, albeit in just four games. And you know what? Some of those misses, you talked about the shooting, the shooting, it's not just the percentages. Some of the misses have been bad, you know, for, for Asar in particular. And it's interesting because as we mentioned, when we talked about uh, Jalen Duran, Detroit is, has the worst record in the NBA right now. Monty Williams taking over, has a ton of long-term security and really prioritizing um, guys who, who compete on the defensive end of the floor. So Asar has started 18 of the first 20 games when, when a guy like Jaden Ivey, who was picked presumably to be, let me check these numbers, who was picked presumably to be, you know, one of the, the pillars of the future over there, um, has only started six of the first 16 games that he's played in, only playing 23 minutes per night. So listen, here's, here's my thing with the men in Asar, and I wrote this earlier this week. Who the better twin, who's the better twin is almost an outdated question at this point. I think that's like, it doesn't matter. I don't, I can't see a world in which they play on the same team ever again, just because they're too similar and you can't have two total non-shooters on the perimeter. I think the new question is whether or not this Detroit young core of Cade Cunningham, Asar Thompson, and Jaden Ivey, whether these guys fit together long-term on the perimeter um, in the modern NBA, where, where spacing is, is it such a premium? I know Cade and Jaden have made some some strides with their shooting. Um, Jaden's numbers in particular off the catch are, are much more respectable. But, I mean, this offense has been a, a train wreck, and it's as much because of the shooting uh, as it is the turnovers. And, again, all three of those guys haven't really helped in either one of those areas, which have both been Achilles' heels. So, so to me, the new question it's, it's no longer about which Thompson brother is better. It's about, is Detroit the place for Asar, Ivy, and Cunningham to coexist for the foreseeable future? Or is one of these guys going to get moved? Um, that's going to be really interesting to me. All right, fourth overall, uh, and we were aligned on this in the 2022 re-ranking. And I should say that would make him second overall amongst the players who finished that class, which is exactly where he was ranked, and that's Derek Lively. So, Trav, I want to ask you about him because uh, Lively's, and I tweeted this yesterday with a little like fist pump thing picture from Derek and I when we were in high school. But, you know, two years ago, he's a second ranked high school prospect in the country. Last year, everybody's chanting overrated. Uh, and this year, he's he's looks like one of the two best players who finished the high school class of 2022 in terms of their production in the NBA. Um, I, I thought it was really ironic that he had a double-double in his first NBA game, and he didn't have a double-double his entire season at Duke. But um, what do you make of, of this story? 
he's one that just consistently got better. I mean, when we go back to his team final days with Jalen Dern and Armani Pates for a brief moment, um, from that point, like we could see all the flashes and just how talented he was. Uh, but when you saw him with that final team and then compared to with his high school team, it's honestly a world of difference. Um, and you wanted so much more out of him when he was playing with that Westtown high school team. And then he gets to Duke and sure enough, like you said, he struggles for the first uh, half of the season, but he consistently started getting better. And it was very evident from game to game. And it all started with that game uh, against North Carolina at Duke. And it all came together and it, the light bulb just went off and he was a different player from then on. He was much more consistent and reliable. Um, and, and everything that we uh, kind of projected because it wasn't consistently um, at consistent aspects of his game, translatable things in terms of, we always projected this would be a guy that can step out and shoot the three. This will be a guy that can pick and pop um, and he'll be able to switch out onto the perimeter block shots, and I would say at this point, we're starting to see all that start to come to fruition. Um, so just a guy that's kind of kept his head down, didn't get caught up in all, in all the uh, negativity that was put out about him last year at this exact time, um, but just stayed about the work and the light bulb went off. And sure enough, it looks like um, everything that we thought when we had him ranked at one, number one at one point, um, yeah. it turns out that that turned out to be right. And credit to Derek Clive. Um, you know, he, he, I, I was going to say, yeah. I've got a somewhat contrarian take on this and then a little something to right, add cool. on this. I think, I think part of why he's been so good is we've given up on this fantasy of him being a guy who steps out and faces the rim and becomes a shooter. Hmm. He's not shooting any threes. He's nope. a guy who is as best as a lob catcher, a rim protector, and a guy who runs the floor. And that's exactly what his role has been in Dallas, and he's really exceeding that. But also another thing that we found out, and this isn't a knock against Derek, and obviously we were never knocking him with how highly we ranked him and how we've got him on this, but it's very rare that there's a big guy who's built to be the focus of attention on both ends of the floor. Mm. And I think part of the reason we walked away so disappointed with Derek at times is we wanted him to be a primary scorer on offense. Yeah. We wanted him to be a guy who stepped up and dominated. And that's just not what he is. He's an extremely high level complimentary player mm -hmm. who's got a really good role that he can play. And that's why when he had Jalen Dern and for a little bit of Monty Bates with him on team final, he looked so good. It's why when Duke kind of got the rotation settled at the end of the year and he also got healthy that he started to thrive. And that's why he seems to be thriving so well in Dallas. There's no pressure on him to be the guy right now. And he's able to just sit back and do what he does. And I think that's why he's been so good. And I just think that's kind of who he is and what he's going to be for the long term. It's also a great fit, right? I mean, we talk about that a lot in recruiting and we don't really talk about it in the NBA, but I mean, when you're playing with Luka Doncic and Kyrie Irving, uh, you're going to get a lot of lobs and and that's what Derek Lively does. I mean, the hole there was a a rim protector and a lob threat, just like you said, Bossy. So he he's going into a situation with two dynamic playmakers who are going to draw multiple defenders and allow him to, they're going to simplify the game for him. Um, to your point, he's not trying to shoot threes. He's not trying to stretch his game, but he's a double-double threat just by doing what he does best. I personally think there is a, a ceiling down the road where he does tap into some of that shooting that we saw in high school, but I think that it's it's been very um, – this is the right way to go about it. Do what you do best. 
um, do that the most and figure that's what gets you on the court and then gradually start to stretch your game um, beyond that. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right. What's interesting now is that the the three of us all had the first four players the same, albeit in a little bit of a different order as it related to the Thompson brothers. So again, we've got Brandon Miller, the Thompson twins, Derek Lively, the first four players in this 2002-2022 redraft. Now there's a series of three guards. And uh, what's interesting is we all have a different one. So Keontae George comes out, according to the average, as the next best player in this group, then Kaysen Wallace, then Anthony Black. Travis had Case, uh, I'm sorry, Travis had Keontae George highest. He had him fifth on his board. Bossy and I both had him as as sixth. And then um, I had Kaysen Wallace highest on my board. Bossy had Anthony Black. So I just want to go one at a time and talk about, you know, start with Trav, with, with Keontae George, why was he, you know, the guard that you like best of this group? Uh, just at this point in time, he's been more productive than those other guys, and he's doing it uh, for, for a solid organization with the Utah Jazz. And so um, he's a guy that historically, I, on my board, I actually always had Kaysen Walsh above him. And to be honest with you, as I was making this last night, I was going back and forth still. Mm. Uh, just because Kaysen Wallace, we're still, uh, we're, we're starting to see how he contributes to winning, especially for an Oklahoma City Thunder team um, that is playing extremely well and winning at the moment. So um, it's in terms of Keontae George, he's just doing what he's always done. He scored, he's getting buckets and he's doing it at a more efficient rate. Um, but Kaysen Wallace, while the numbers don't jump out at you at this point in time, um, I think we're we're getting some some good glimpses of uh, just that defense um, and, and how he can contribute. Almost as like a poor man's Drew Holiday. Uh, mm. for Oklahoma City. I like that. You know what's interesting? I was like the exact opposite of that. I always like Keontae more in high school, and I was like, "Come on, man, just get in the shape." You know, like, um, and he didn't do it. Now his body got a lot better at Baylor, and then it got a lot better in the pre-draft process. Um, Kaysen Wallace is someone that that I consistently had behind Keontae and candidly behind Anthony Black, but just watching him with OKC, um, seeing, I mean, they're the second best team in the West right now. He's playing 22 minutes per night. He's shooting over 50% from the three-point line, not on high volume, but because he's really picking his spots effectively and because they've got multiple playmakers all over the floor. I mean, Chet's their five and he's got the ball in their hands. I think Kaysen Wallace is a, a far superior defender to Keontae George. It's, it's it's more difficult to quantify that with, with easy to see stats. Um, but ultimately that's why I've got him uh, as my first guard here. But admittedly on draft night, I had Anthony Black the highest of these three bossy you still have anthony black the highest of these three in fact he was fifth on your overall board yeah um you know i don't think he's put up quite the same stats as these guys and he's not played as many minutes but 
Again, we're in another situation where Orlando is really, really playing well. They're 14 and six right now. I don't think anybody saw that coming. And so it's been a little bit tougher for, to find, for him to find his role, but I've had the chance to watch probably four or five complete Orlando games where he's gotten a chance to play quite a bit. And what stands mm. out to me is his defensive versatility mm-hmm. and the role that's eventually going to be waiting for him down the line is a guy who can play one through three in the NBA, a playmaker, um, a versatile plug and play guy that you move all around. I think his shooting is, is, is trending in the right direction, which was probably the biggest concern with him other than strength. And I just, one of those where I really like Keontae and I really like Kaysen. And to me, you could kind of mix them in a bag and pull them out in any order. And it would be something that you can can go with. But I just think there's still a long-term level that I think that Anthony has the highest ceiling left of these guys. And so that's why I gave him a little bit of the edge above Keontae and Kaysen Wallace. Interesting. All right. Wrapping up our top 10 here, we had Cam Whitmore, who um... – I got a little bit of a hot take. Trav has him at eight. Bossy has him at nine. I left him off my top 10. Um, not because I don't see the upside, but just because I think the idea of Cam Whitmore needs to start to become the reality that drives winning at the college level. Obviously, he's not in college anymore. and gets him on the floor in the NBA. But Trav, what's your, what's your counterpoint to that? Still just holding out hope that he does figure this out. Um, because the talent is all there. He's putting up absurd numbers in the G league right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but obviously, uh, yeah, you're right. He's not, he hasn't really played much for the Rockets. Um, but in terms of if, he, if this light bulb goes off, he figures things out um, and he can really kind of thrive in the NBA locker room. Um, then I think that, there's a chance if we were to re-rank this here in two, three years that we sit here and start talking about him being top four, top three again. Yeah. So basically it's the risk reward ratio. There's still a chance that he totally pops. That makes sense. Um, All right. Rounding out the top 10 was the guy who finished number one in the class. And that's Nick Smith. Um, Nick Smith at that peach. And what people don't remember is Nick Smith and Brandon Miller. We've told this story before. They were EYBL teammates. They make that run in the peach jam. It was our first kind of uh, live period back after COVID. I don't care what anybody says. Nick Smith was the best player on that team, um, at least in that 10 day period. Uh, and, and he was the guy between his size, his skill and his shot making. I would say he was the best the whole spring and summer on that. Yeah. Team. Yeah, but man, Arkansas now, now he's got the injury at Arkansas and, and obviously that holds him back. But um, I just got concerned with like the feel for the game last year. Like he always seemed like he was in a rush and I was hoping that some of it was like maybe he's just nervous or trying too hard to prove himself. But just and, and he, you know, he gets drafted. He got a guaranteed deal because he got taken in the first round 27th overall, but he just got sent down to the G League, which which. I think I, I hope he's looking at it as a positive thing because this is a guy who needs game reps. Um, but we'll see. You guys both had him at 10 on your board. I admittedly didn't have Cam Whitmore or Nick Smith in my re-ranking of the top 10. I went with Kyle Filipowski at nine um, only because I think that we've got to acknowledge that he's 
been a better was a better college player than these guys. Last year, I think he was he was better at Duke than Smith was at Arkansas, than Whitmore was at Villanova, um, that than most of these guys were. I thought he was arguably we could we'll save this argument for another day. The best, or certainly one of the best freshmen in college basketball next year. Um, Dariq Whitehead is a guy we haven't mentioned. He hasn't been healthy in two years. He finished as a top three prospect in this class. I think it's uh, he's about to make his G League debut for the uh, the Brooklyn Nets affiliate. And then the other guy I want to shout out is is Donovan Klingen. Um, doesn't finish in the top ten. He was number tied for number ten on my board with with Dariq Whitehead. Uh, finished 73rd overall in the in the rankings two years ago, but what incredible strides he's he's made with his conditioning um, to kind of put himself in a spot where I think he could have been a first round pick last year. I think he will be a first round pick this year. Um, but that is kind of a look at, at the uh, the way this class turned out. So the way that it the way that it finished at the end of high school, Nick Smith was number one, Derek Lively was number two, Jarek Whitehead was number three. Flip was four, Kaysen Wallace was five, Gigi Jackson, Kalal Ware, Dylan Mitchell, three guys we haven't talked about, were uh, six, seven, and eight. Keontae George was nine. Amari Bailey, another guy we haven't talked about, was 10. Some of the guys that I think um, have outplayed their rankings since then, Grady Dick was 21. He was a one-and-done lottery pick, although he too now is in the, the G League. Jed Howard was 45. He was a one-and-done lottery pick, although um, I think that was a surprise of draft night. Judah Mintz was 63. Um, he certainly is uh, was a one-and-done candidate last year. Came back to Syracuse, putting up big numbers. Donovan Klingon was 73. We just talked about him. Taylor Hendricks was 84. He was a one-and-done lottery pick for Utah, although he too now is in the G League. Bryce Sensabaugh, Noah Clowney, 86 and 99. Both of those guys are in the league as well. And then Ryan Dunn, who we will talk about more, uh, was 147 and is on draft boards this year. So the re-ranking, Brandon Miller, number one, Asar Thompson, number two, Men Thompson, number three, Derek Lively, number four, Keontae George, Kaysen Wallace, Anthony Black, five, six, and seven, Jarris Walker, eight, Cam Whitmore, nine, and Nick Smith, 10. So we kind of hope you've enjoyed this kind of look back at, at the rankings. I think it's it's not only fun for us, but I think it's it's also um, for me it's informative because when I look at this, I start to look at some of the guys that are overrated, and I say we got a little too caught up in potentially. Or let me say this: I don't want to say we got too caught up. The athlete archetype may not be hitting long term is much without without a certain level of, of skill and feel. And if the athlete is hitting long-term, it's because it's translating on the defensive end of the floor. That is a, a, um, a wide-ranging statement, but that's, for me, part of the value in doing these, these kind of retroactive looks is you see what works and what doesn't. And while there are no hard and fast rules, I think we see the value of shooting, the value of skill, the value of feel. And the guys who are, quote-unquote, just athletes – um, may not be hitting quite quite as much. Before we sign off here, do either one of you guys have any big takeaways from these these kind of retroactive looks looks back? No, they're just fun, and I think it, it puts it, it's it's good to do these and put these in perspective because we're always questioned about rankings as as high school players, and what's happening is we're being judged on our opinions of these guys as. 18 year olds when they're mm -hmm. 23, 24, 25. And 
that's fine. That comes along with the territory, but it just shows to, you know, it's an example that, you know, that growth doesn't stop at 18 years old. And just because right. you're ranked somewhere, whether it be high or low at that age, doesn't mean that you're going to stop and that's what you're limited to, or, or that's where you're going to spot down the road. And, you know, just another caution, you know, we, we tell kids all, all the time, we tell parents all the time, like, Hey, you know, this is just a snapshot in time. It's an opinion at this point. And it doesn't mean you can't get better. And it doesn't mean that you're going to hold on to that spot either. So that, you know, you got to keep working. I think it's always just fun to look back and see how it goes. And to me, it also just, it's, it's funny to me when we talk about guys being ranked in the thirties during COVID or something like that as a miss, cause they're now in the NBA. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I don't know that that's a miss. I think no. a, a guy being ranked in the thirties, making the NBA isn't a surprise at all. You know, I think that's something that's, this justifiable, but it's just good for putting it all kind of in perspective. You know what I would play off that and say, just to add this point, any, there is no end point. You know what I mean? Like the end of their high school career, isn't the end point. The end of their freshman year, isn't the end point. We're doing it right now, uh, both on the show and, and on, on, uh, 24 seven sports.com basically through the end of their sophomore season, but you could extend it out another year to their third year in the NBA. And we'd be talking about guys like, like Jalen Suggs and Tyrese Maxey, who are both taken off as third-year NBA players. So there's the 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 longer you go, the older you get, the few and fewer players who who emerge or take it to to next levels. Um, but even those guys were identified super early on in the process, and I think that that is um, kind of what we strive to do. It's not so much whether whether they're four or thirty, although certainly we want to get that right. But if those guys are identified really early on in the process, then then at least I look back on it with the sense of like, okay, we, 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 we got that more right than we got it wrong. Trav, any, any big takeaways from you? No, nothing I can add that, that you tuned in just now. All right. Well, that is it for this week's edition of college basketball recruiting weekly. You can watch us on the 24 seven sports channel or on uh, wherever you get your, your podcast, you can find us in podcast form as well. We will be back with you next week until then be sure to visit 24 sports.com.